0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, on that same day, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we were talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread, the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ.
1: Good morning. Good morning. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. What image pops into your mind when you hear the word, welcome? Now you can open your eyes. I've been asking this question for the last year of various churches, and here are the three most common answers. Uh, The first is a warm meal around a well-set table. The second, a warm handshake, a hug, an embrace. And the third, actually most common answer to what pops into your mind when you hear the word welcome, is that of a welcome mat. Today, I come to you on behalf of Exodus World Service with the goal that through our time together, we can grow in the Christ like cause of welcome and hospitality. After 25 years of serving as a pastor, I recently joined this organization because I wholeheartedly believe in our mission. We exist to mobilize the Christian community to welcome and befriend refugees. The way I like to sum up our mission is like this. Exodus exists to put the we in welcome when it comes to refugees and the church. But you might be wondering, who exactly am I talking about when I'm using the word refugee? According to the United Nations, a refugee is a person who's been forced to leave his or her home country and is unable to return because he or she has experienced persecution or has a well-founded fear of persecution. Persecution can be related to race, to nationality, to religion, to political opinions, or to membership in a particular social group. So when I'm talking about refugees, this is the journey that refugees have been on. This definition drives our distinctive mission, and it reveals the reason behind our passion for this particular unique group of immigrants. When refugees arrive in the U.S., they are here legally. They are supported by U.S. resettlement agencies for the first three to nine months here in the country. They are here permanently resettling in America. This definition, it drives our mission, but there's a deeper reason why we do this work, why we mobilize the church. We mobilize the church to welcome the stranger because we believe that in welcoming the stranger, we welcome Jesus. If you listen closely to the teachings of the scripture, you'll see that hospitality to the stranger is central to the faith. Wherever you look throughout the Bible, God delights in the gracious act of welcome. Consider the foundational story we heard this morning from Genesis 18, the story of Abraham and Sarah as they welcome three mysterious strangers into their lives. This encounter with three strangers, uh, not only does God meet the needs of Abraham and Sarah, um, but God, no, not only does God meet the needs of these three strangers providing food and shelter and a warm welcome, but God also promises to answer the deepest needs of Abraham and Sarah, uh, promising that one day soon, Sarah and Abraham will be parents. This promise is made in the midst of two fellow sojourners doing what the author of Hebrews suggests that we followers of Jesus do, show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. So, welcoming the stranger is central uh, to following Jesus. Think about today's gospel text. The transformation of the disciples' perspective about who this stranger was happens in the midst of an act of welcome and hospitality. They invite this perceived stranger into their home, and it's in the moment of the breaking of bread that the, that the identity of Jesus is revealed. It's that moment of hospitality, and that's the transformational moment, the connection between these two stories. As the disciples do what Jesus teaches disciples to do, welcome the stranger. Jesus says in Matthew 25, that when you welcome the stranger, you welcome him. He says it like this. He says, I was hungry and you gave me some food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then Jesus concludes this teaching with the real kicker where he says, just as you did it for one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me." So it's through the inspiration of Jesus that we've come to think of our work within refugee ministry like this. Uh, This is Yasmin. She is our sister. And when we give food to Yasmin as she spends time waiting in a refugee resettlement camp, we give food to Jesus. This next picture here, this is Ibrahim. Ibrahim is our brother. When we provide clothes as Ibrahim arrives from Sudan and Chicago in the midst of a bitter winter, we also give clothes to Jesus. And this, this is Hafsa. Hafsa is a Rohingya refugee from Burma. When we visit her in her new apartment and set up all the things she needs to make that house a home, we also visit Jesus. To move deeper into the mission of Exodus World Service, I might invite you to watch this short video. A real big spiritual and important part of my life is to be a welcoming person. My need was there to connect with other people coming from different countries. Exodus, they provided that for me. Exodus's mission is to mobilize the Christian community to welcome and befriend refugees. We do this through educating the Chicagoland community about the journey of refugees on their way to Chicagoland. And then we also connect people with practical service opportunities to refugees. Refugees are people just like you and me, but they've been forced to flee their country due to war, or persecution. <coughs> Their leaving is often sudden, it's unplanned. They don't want to leave everything behind. When you ask refugees what they need, they'll tell you practical resources. Exodus is able to serve refugees by providing those things like food and household items, but also they'll say that they want a friend, they want companionship. The way that they welcomed us,
0: I felt, that I felt I'm home again.
1: I want to be able to make an impact. Exodus provided that because there's a real need.
0: Because of them, I felt there's somebody beside me to help me, to support me. Because of them, I felt I'm not alone.
1: I love that video because it's through the testimony of volunteers like Rick and refugees like Ola that you get to feel at a real heart level the power of a warm welcome. But you might be wondering just how many refugees are there in our world today? Well, Ola is one of 27.1 million refugees in our world. With international conflicts mounting in places like Ukraine and Syria and Sudan, that number is growing quickly. In fact, it's growing at an astounding rate of 40 people every minute. One of the reasons that that number remains so large is that only 1% of that 27.1 million are resettled into a new country each year. Because of a sluggish global welcome, the average amount of time that a refugee spends waiting in a refugee camp is 17 years. 17 years waiting to be resettled into a new country. Now these numbers are quite heartbreaking, Um, but I don't wanna just blow by these numbers. I want us to sit with the reality of the world's global refugee crisis. I wanna allow those numbers to sink in a bit. 27.1 million refugees. These are the people that have been at least recognized by the United Nations as refugees. Um, That's a conservative estimate. There could be as many as 100 million refugees in our world. The other number, 1% resettled each year because of a sluggish global welcome, waiting an average of 17 years. As we sit with those numbers and wrestle with those numbers, my hope is that the next thing that pops into our mind is what can we do? How can we as the church respond to this reality? So one of the easiest ways to get involved upon the resettlement of refugees, is to uh, gather, collect, deliver, and set up one of our welcome packs. A Welcome to America pack. If you think back to that uh, short video, it was Rick and his wife, Gail, that were the Exodus volunteers who mobilized their local church to collect a welcome pack for Ola. About $700 worth of essential household items that were gathered, delivered, and set up uh, the night before Ola arrived in our country. These delivery teams are the groups of people who develop relationships with refugees upon their arrival. And in this case, it was Rick and Gail who helped pave the way for another Exodus volunteer, a woman named Brenda, to help Ola more fully acclimate to her new life in Chicagoland. Brenda is one of our new neighbor volunteers. New neighbors engage in a variety of ways, befriending refugees, serving as mentors to children, assisting adults to practice conversational English, or helping an adult to study for their citizenship exam. I first got involved in Exodus about a year and a half ago as a new neighbor. And it's within these relational exchanges that the core values of an organization like Exodus are revealed. As followers of Jesus, we are called uh, to mutuality in our exchanges, in our interactions with people, particularly from other cultures. We are called to, to practice the ministry of presence, to simply to show up to be present in the midst of challenging times. And we are called to demonstrate the character of Jesus, the welcome of Jesus. About a year and a half ago, my family of six got involved as a new neighbor to a family of seven who was arriving from Afghanistan, who'd recently been evacuated from Kabul and were being resettled in Skokie. Now to be upfront, these first interactions with this family were quite challenging. The first few weeks were difficult. We were overcoming many significant cultural barriers. Um, There was a language barrier. Uh, Our family speaks English, this family spoke Farsi. There was a cultural, a religious barrier. Our family has grown up within the Christian tradition. This family grew up within the Islamic tradition. Uh, We struggled at first to connect because of our own minimal language skills, because of our lack of awareness about their cultural background. And our attempts uh, were aided a bit by our um, use of Google Translate to try to uh, navigate the language differences. Uh, We attempted sign language often trying to uh, communicate what we were um, hoping to say. But it was really the experience of our children interacting with each other who quickly navigated these situations and were able to communicate much better than the adults. The conversations quickly um, moved forward to impact our view of the other, to, to change our perspective of the other in the midst of these exchanges. One of the most meaningful experiences that I had with this family was when it was their 15-year-old daughter's turn uh, to, to welcome us. Uh, we had been visiting maybe four or five times when uh, the father instructed the daughter to take the initiative to gather some food to share with us. Uh, we knew at this point that this family had very little and we were hesitant to take from the little that they had but this daughter came back with a tray full of juice and nuts and fruit uh, to share and she could tell that we were feeling a bit hesitant to take from the family Um, and at this point we had not heard um, anyone other than the father speak in english Um, but this daughter with a smile on her face Uh, said to us clearly in English, her first English sentence, which was this. She said, this is my religion. This is my religion. I looked at my wife when she said that and I was kind of shocked and taken back. Did she speak in English and did she just say, this is my religion? You see, she understood that um, this act of welcome, this act of hospitality was rooted in her own religious tradition. And she understood intuitively that our presence there was also rooted in our own faith tradition. The experience is a wonderful example of how welcome encourages more welcome, how hospitality grows hospitality. And for our family, it was was a Holy Spirit-led invitation to dig deeper into this type of cross-cultural and often inter-religious ministry and to invite more Christians to find creative ways to live out their faith, by welcoming some of our newest refugee neighbors. So while the reality of the world's refugee crisis can be quite overwhelming, the situation only becomes more dire when a rise in awareness is followed by inaction. So today I want to invite you to just consider how can I respond? I can provide a variety of ways. I want to invite you to join our prayer team. We send out a weekly email. And to all those who are willing to pray for our ministry, for our refugee friends, invite you to join our our e-news. You can get regular updates about the refugee crisis and what's going on in Chicagoland. Perhaps you want to support our organization financially. We're a completely privately funded organization and I welcome any gifts today. But maybe you wanna rally your congregation around these packs and collect a welcome pack deliver a welcome pack. It's an opportunity uh, to make a significant impact in the life of an arriving refugee. Perhaps you want to go a little bit deeper to understand particularly the refugee's journey and how that um, journey has played out. Well I invite you to come to the uh, simulation on May 7th and to put yourself in the shoes of a refugee to think about the variety of choices that they've made along their journey and to grow in empathy and discernment around actions on behalf of refugees. There are all kinds of ways to make a huge difference in the life of refugees. So whatever that next step is that you are feeling led to consider, may you be inspired by the Holy Spirit to work together and to partner with us to warmly welcome refugees as God has welcomed us. Thank you for this opportunity to share today. I'd love to interact with you in the cafe, um, but God bless as we continue in this partnership on behalf of refugees, amen.